Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome to our amazing listeners. So today on the podcast, we're going to be exploring the topic of sex therapy. And my guest today is Catherine Rodolfo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about uh, this topic a little bit more in depth. Um, you know, because sex is one of those topics that um, people don't necessarily talk about unless they're a private one-on-one with me in the room or with somebody like you. Um, and, I, and maybe perhaps, you know, people don't know that there's... Um, help or solutions to potential issues that may be centered around sex. It's just one of those topics that we don't really talk about. Yes, I would Cer- agree. Certainly not publicly, which yes. we're going to do today. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I figure the best place for us to start is what is sex therapy? Like if you had to give a definition or a description to people, like what is it? Yeah, so it's it's um, definitely not what people assume that it is. <laughs> I get a lot of questions about that. So um, it basically, you know, from my perspective as a therapist, it is a type of talk therapy. So it's an opportunity for people to come in and be in a safe kind of space to be able to um, look at and examine what's happening for them sexually. Um, it's just another modality, I want to say, you know, that, that a therapist might go to uh, in order to help somebody resolve some of those personal issues. Um, so it's really a very, um, very, very confined sort of uh, space, right? A safe space in order to discuss those things that make most of us uncomfortable when we're trying to uh, talk about sex. Yes. Okay. So, so really, it, is it a branch of like psychotherapy or? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, so there, there's a, like sexology on its own is sort of the science of understanding um, sexual behaviors. Um, but this, this, you know, coming into a therapeutic session to see somebody like myself, it would be very different if somebody was coming out to see you. But it's coming out to see me, it's really a type of talk therapy. So a psychotherapy for sure would be a good term. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. What made you decide to go into this field? <laughs> like what's, what's, what's your backstory? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, you know what, really, it, really curiosity is what brought me here. Um, I've always had an interest in that and just sort of observing uh, sexual behaviors. And I, you know, many, many years, my first career was in the developmental sector. And so it was very interesting to observe individuals um, that have seemingly developmental, um, that, sorry, that have a developmental diagnosis and how they navigate sort of um, sex and sexuality. And so it was always an area of interest for me um, because it's really no different, right? Um, so when when I, you know, became a therapist, and uh, I saw more and more people coming into the into the sessions, um, asking about or requesting, you know, um, requesting information about, you know, issues that might be happening for them. 
quite frequently, though, this, the the uh, therapy isn't confined, you know, to couples and stuff. I would see it in couples therapy, people talking about uh, some of the issues that they were having. And as a couples therapist as well, I have the privilege, I want to say, of asking about those questions, you know, around intimacy and stuff and opening those conversations, right? So really curiosity brought me to it. And it was really um, a lovely blend, you know, being a therapist and stuff and being able to support people. So, you know, that's sort of what started the whole journey. Okay. Um, is there like specific types of training? Like, can anybody do sex therapy? Like if they're a, th- a therapist, can they do this modality or is there, um, like additional or specific training that you undergo? Yeah, uh, there's definitely additional training, um, that, uh, so at the very least, somebody that's going to um, do this type of work should have a master's level degree or something in a related field. So it's very much a, a good fit for therapists like myself, but there's also doctors, there's, you know, any number of other people who have specific, um, higher, higher level training, I want to say in the medical and, and uh, therapy type world that can, that can do that. Um, in addition to that, you know, beyond curiosity, sure, you can probably learn this, but there are specific courses and organizations and stuff that support this. Um, so, you know, some of the, the training that I've undertaken is through the University of Guelph, they have a sexuality, um, a sex training program. Um, and then from there, you know, the, it's also supervised work, and you have to do a number of hours and certainly, you know, encounter um, a a range of different things in order to be able to best serve people. Um, yeah. So that's, but, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And then of course I assume, you know, professional development, uh, you know, is part of that just like it is for, you know, the physiotherapy realm. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're always upgrading. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, if anybody is hearing a little puppy in the background, uh, just we, we got a little puppy who's missing, uh, missing master. So, you know, if you hear a little tweet or something in the background, that's, uh, that, that's what that is. Um, okay, so let's move on to talking about some of the most more common reasons people might be seeking out a sex therapist. Okay. So the most frequent thing that I deal with is um, frequency. Uh, people come in. So again, you know, from the couples round, people complain a fair bit about, um, you know, the frequency of sex. Um, and also, um, um, the libido. So the differences in, um, in their sort of, um, I guess tempos, you know, the differences in terms of what, you know, what each individual seeks. Uh, So that's the most common. And I think that's most common for most therapists. Um, But there's other issues that people come in for as well. So it might be a woman, for instance, who um, is unable to have an orgasm either on her own or perhaps even with her partner. Um, There might be issues with uh, gentlemen that come in with um, erectile dysfunction, um, premature ejaculation. Um, There could be a whole range. So those are the more simple sort of things that people might come in with. Um, there might be issues with, uh, with women perhaps who are unable to, um, uh, tolerate penetration. Um, so, you know, those are sort of, those are the, the kinds of basic things, um, that, that people are the more common things I want to say that people might come in with. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, th- those are things that, you know, we certainly, uh, see as pelvic floor physiotherapists. So we're looking at it from the physical, like what's happening in the tissue. Uh, but certainly I'm, I'm always screening to understand, you know, like what impacts um, 
you know, is this having, having on your quality of life? Like, how do you envision yourself as a, um, you know, as a participant in a maybe perhaps gender role or relationship role? Um, but sometimes I, I find or I feel like there's a little bit of resistance to wanting to see a sex therapist. Um, and I, maybe I thought it might be helpful to highlight um you know, emotional impacts and like why that might be an important piece to address while addressing the physical component. Mm-hmm. So can I, I just want to take that back a little sure. bit. Sure. So somebody comes in to, to see me, um, and I, I think this is probably true with yourself as well, you know, the, the start of the session really is around gathering information. So from like a biological, uh, psychological, social kind of, um, you know, arenas, you want to gather as much information as you can um, for that very reason, because I think there is a reluctance and people don't realize sometimes that it could be something very simple. It could be, you know, based, it could be very emotional. It could be from a, a place of, you know, having been sexually abused, but it could also be from a place of, you know, the message that we were getting as children living in, you know, at home with our parents, whether that comes from, you know, their own sort of uh, cultural or, or religious values, it can come from anywhere. Um, and, um, or, you know, lack of sex education growing up and sort of a, a no, no talk kind of um, approach in the, in the home. Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, for men, for instance, medication, something that they're taking that may actually be disrupting their, their function, right? So a lot of the information, you know, has to come through an actual thorough assessment assessment, you know, um, um, and then, um, you know, just asking the question. And, and again, I have that privilege being in that sort of safe space where I can ask about, you know, intimacy issues and how things are going for people. And that's usually what starts the conversation is the, the discussion around intimacy, to be honest, that, that's sort of what comes up the most frequently. Um, and then, you know, people start to open up. And, and the interesting thing, too, is that once people do start to open up, and I start to share a little bit of, well, you know, what about this? Do you think perhaps that this might be part of, you know, what might be going on for you that's where the conversation opens up and people start to dig a little bit deeper in terms of their own sort of backgrounds um, and and bring that to the table so that we can actually have a discussion around it okay so we had to take a little bit of a pause break um, just to let puppy roam free because he was feeling sad um, it's a he right it or is. is it she? Okay, good. All right. Um, okay so I thought what we could do is um, just kind of uh, go over sort of what we were talking about, uh, centered around um, sort of resistance to seeing a sex therapist and just helping people recognize that oftentimes it's not just like a physical um, issue, you know, specifically as it relates to pain or um, erectile function or libido, right? We got hormones and we got the biological processes, but, you know, we're holistic beings. We're mind, you know, body and spirit. And um, so maybe you could just kind of do a little summary about the importance of looking at those um, other pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so, you know, uh, when somebody does come in, I mean, I do a thorough assessment anyway, um, you know, just just to sort of find out what their issues are and stuff. And quite quite honestly, sometimes people come in um, just needing a space to talk. And I often say to people, sometimes it's easier to talk to a complete stranger than it is to, you know, somebody that you know, which again, I think um, opens up the the idea that it's okay, you know, to talk about this stuff. So, um, you know, that summary that I do, um, if I'm not aware that there's a sexual issue um, going on, then that the, 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 um, 
psychosocial um, uh, piece, um, you know, it helps to sort of um, answer all of those questions. And then where there's gaps, um, it's set up in such a way that I can ask other questions and some of these things will surface. So um, again, you know, a thorough assessment, because like you said, you know, we are a, um, we're not, we're holistic sort of, um, you know, holistic beings. And so we have a lot of different dimensions and, and all of those things need to be considered, of course, when we're coming into therapy and especially if we're going to talk about something as intimate as sex. Um, so that also, um, and, I, and I think for people, I think there's, there's relief sometimes in, in, you know, when the conversation starts to happen, because it's not just questioning, it's very much like like an interview like you and I are doing, you know, back and forth. And so I think people are relieved sometimes that their problems are not, um, you know, unheard of and that, that their problems are, you know, more common perhaps than they even thought. And, and so, you know, there's sometimes a huge release of shame in that moment as well. You know, you can see people almost going, wow. Um, so, which is, which is wonderful as well. Right. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, and after that, after we've addressed all of that, then we might move towards, you know, talking a little bit more about developing a treatment plan and, you know, moving forward in terms of what, you know, next steps might be for, for people. So some of, yeah, sorry, uh, some of it will be uh, social, sorry, some of it will be sort of the psychoeducational piece and <clears throat> the psychotherapy, but there's also um, times which I might refer out as well. And we can talk about that, I guess, at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I certainly find, you know, like, because of course, you know, when we assess, you know, we're coming from, you know, a model of biopsychosocial um, when it relates to anything centered around the pelvis. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, like I find with pain, um, it's beliefs. People have beliefs about their pain. They have beliefs um, about their bodies, they have beliefs about what sexuality and sex should look like. Um, and in some cases, they also have, you know, a lack of knowledge around that area. So there's like a major disconnect um, to that area. And so reconnecting and not really having um, guidance to work through some of the thoughts that might spring up. And so that's where I feel. Um, you know, sex therapy can play a really important role when you're working with a physiotherapist, addressing a sexual issue, you know, because we're not really addressing some of the underlying stuff. And I find sometimes people need to talk about it, like you said, in an environment where they can be free to say out loud some of the thoughts in their head. Because sometimes I find we have thoughts in our in our mind that we believe are true and then we feel shame and guilt about having that thought when really it's just a thought that has sometimes sprung up and then being able to kind of unravel and work through that uh to re you know reframing as they you know as they say right I think that's an important piece that is part of therapy right mm -hmm. absolutely I would agree with you yeah yeah okay so let's <sighs> Let's talk a little bit about kind of the the benefits. Like, you know, what what are some things people have reported back to you or have expressed to you as like what you know, what can people sort of get out of doing sex therapy? Oh, now we're going to have this. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um in the so, sense, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, the most, the most reportable benefit obviously is, is, you know, change. People have noted changes and they're able to participate and be more comfortable, you know, with um, having sex, particularly with, with obviously with their partners. Um, but also, you know, um, just uh, this, I think I mentioned, you know, when people have this sort of ability to kind of just express things in a safe space, this sort of drop of shame and this, this, which is, you know, and they start to sort of uh, be able to, to, you know, explore and change their thought patterns, as you discussed, you know, in terms of what sex is and what it means to them and that it's okay to have these certain feelings that they're not, you know, different from or, you know, isolated uh, based on, you know, some of the things that they might have learned or lack of information that they had growing up, right? So most noticeably the change, the physical changes, um, their ability to engage in sex. Um, after that, it would be the emotional pieces, you know, that people are actually able to, to you know, come forward and say, wow, you know. Um, where there's a little bit more work, I want to say, where there's deep emotional roots, you know, where there might have been sexual abuse and stuff, those things don't happen. Um, you know, it's a longer process, absolutely. Not one that's not possible, absolutely, but a longer process. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yes. there isn't just the emotional piece. It, it's the, you know, it's the locked in the tissue piece as well, right? The, um, the tissues kind of remember and um, yeah. develop its, it develops its own physiology that, um, you know, requires a little, well, I shouldn't say a little, but it does require rewiring um, that's both physical and I think mental in those cases. Um, is sex therapy, okay, I, I know you've sort of mentioned it, but maybe um, can elaborate a little bit more. Um, is it just for couples? Can people do, do you see people individually and like, do you see them together? Maybe you could just talk a little bit about Absolutely. So, you know, a little bit of both. And no, absolutely, sex therapy is not just for couples. Um, obviously, we're, you know, individuals coming into relationships and stuff as well. So, you know, we've got ourselves first and then, you know, what we bring to a relationship. Um, so, you know, typically, yes, you know, I see a lot of um, the, the most, like I said, the most present sort of issues that come to me are coming from couples, you know, who are experiencing, again, frequency and libido kind of issues. Um, and um, those, those, um, uh, those, sorry, those um, couples that come forward are the are the ones that again I get to ask the question. You know, are there issues with intimacy? But you know, when somebody presents and they're coming in with other issues and stuff, you know that usually intimacy falls off, right? And so that that's kind of an easy intro into that. Uh, but definitely individuals as well that come in. So um, what I see more frequently with individuals would be the you know erectile type dysfunctions, uh, you know, with the males and um, orgas orgasmic issues with women. Those would be the most common um, issues that come forward. Like from individuals um and so yeah okay. I, I think yeah <clears throat> so the okay so we talked about sex therapy being a talk therapy um modality are th do people like get homework are there resources that you often point individuals to like are they are they getting things that they, I, I mean, I mean, this may be a completely obvious question and maybe you can elaborate, but like, are people getting things to work on at home, like outside of therapy sessions? And what might that look like? 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we want, you know, we want to have discussions and then we want to, you know, have people take stuff home and experiment and do different things. So, you know, most commonly, you know, once we've ruled out some of the other issues, so if we're, um, you know, if, if I suspect that there could be a medical issue, let's say something with a medication. Um, so again, I just want to reiterate, you know, when somebody comes in to see me quite often, they're coming in to be treated for something entirely different. So it could be depression or anxiety. And some of those medications for sure, you know, will affect um, libido and performance and, and that sort of thing. So if we've ruled, if I'm aware of that and that, you know, the, the profile also presents with some of these other dysfunctions, then I might suggest and refer out to a, you know, to a medical doctor as well. Um, or to a, to a therapist like yourself, um, you know, to, to, you know, work on some of the other issues there as well. Um, but beyond that, you know, if I'm not referring out, then um, I would send people home probably with some, you know, exercises that would um, entail things like um, experimentation, you know, um, trying different things out. Um, you know, if there's issues with regard to pain and stuff, maybe it's positioning, maybe it's, you know, opening yourself up to trying different things uh, that are maybe less, um, less, uh, less hurtful in the process. Um, maybe, you know, we might talk about doing, um, you know, using some dilators and experimenting with that. Um, I might suggest to people to go to a sex store and, and uh, you know, have a look around and see if there's anything that they might want to bring into their bedroom or into their, you know, personal sort of um, space. Uh, so experimentation is one big one for sure. Um, the other one that I might talk about to people also is um, a sensate type focus, which is using... You, you must know, have just literally read my mind because I'm like, <laughs> okay, don't forget to ask her, is she familiar with the sensate focus? Um, I am. I am. Um, and so, you know, that piece on its own is around, you know, um, again, you know, some experimentation as well. Um, and, um, you know, it, it actually um, is something that I've used with people who have come to me with a sexual sort of um, <clears throat> abuse background and stuff, because one of the things definitely with Sensei Focus is, um, you know, it develops trusts trust as well because it's a slow sort of process um basically you know triphasic i want to say right so it's it's mostly a, um, go ahead yeah <laughs> well i was just gonna ask uh we should I, I was thinking maybe we could kind of describe sort of uh that that uh process a little bit more um and i i mean i because i use i have referred to that um Oftentimes with individuals who um, come in with the vaginismus or, um, you know, pain upon initial um, attempts at intercourse or pain upon initial penetration, sometimes I will refer to that um, program because I think it helps people move um, slowly through the phases um, and allows for that experimentation and getting to know oneself and uh, connecting with your partner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it, um, it generally, I mean, in, in its most basic terms, it's, it's really, it's in three phases, like you said. So it's a slow process um, and it, and it just, um, you know, it, it helps to reduce anxiety in situations like that. And it also, like I said, develops trust and stuff. And especially in situations where there has been sexual abuse and stuff, you know, and having to reconnect with your, you know, or connect to a partner after, after, you know, having a history like that. So, um, <clears throat> In short, the basic steps are around, you know, initially it's around um, having to, you know, have have touch, but not have it be a sexual sort of touch. So embraces, hugs, you know, um, that sort of thing, but nothing that is actually sexual in, in um 
in, in its um, approach. <clears throat> and then the next step would be to um, do some genital touching and explore that. And the third step would then be to go to the full sort of penetration and, and you know, continue to explore that. Um, and so that process, there's, um, you know, that process can take um, time. It, it is really, it has to be generated by, you know, how you're feeling next steps and, you know, can you, can you move forward to the next step? Can you try and, and, and you know, move on? Um, so there's no timeline, I, I want to say. Um, and, and I think that um, that's really helpful to people and especially with regard to reducing anxiety and, uh, again, developing that trust, you know, being able to engage in sex again, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I, and, and specifically, you know, within the phases, you know, it, it talks about, um, you know, expectations, right, that you're doing this phase without the ex, like the partners no are coming into this um, experiment without expecting that there's going to be a release or, or an orgasm or that it has to, uh, you know, result in an an ending, right? Yes, I'm glad you pointed that out. Yes, there's more of a no expectation, just kind of, you know, live it in the moment kind of piece there, right? Yeah, or maybe, you know, like the expectation is not to engage in, you know, a full sexual experience, right? That this is more about exploration, um, getting connected with self and your partner, learning what you like, what you don't like. Um, and I think it, the important piece there is that also that communication piece, right? Where yes. you got your two people who are engaged in actually talking mm -hmm. about what they're experiencing. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, for sure. The communication is so important there too. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, well, we, you know, at the end of the day, we want people to um, experience intimacy, experience their sexuality without sort of that shame and guilt um, and without feeling bad about what's happening within their bodies. We want, you know, the body is quite resilient and uh, so is the mind. Um, and so kind of getting both on board, um, you know, is going to help people get to where they want to go. Um, as partners or as individuals. Um, so I think with the type of work that you do is really, really important. And it's one of the pieces that I certainly um, screen for and talk about and recommend um, because I think it's so important um, as part of the therapeutic approach. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and vice versa, right? Again, in that, in that process, you know, if I'm able to see that there's other issues and stuff, I would absolutely refer out to somebody like yourself who can do some of the more, you know, um, the physical pieces of helping people to. <clears throat> absolutely. Is there anything else that you think is important for people to know about the therapeutic process um, as it relates to the type of work you do? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I do want to say that a lot of uh, therapy is around education. So there's always a psychoeducational piece there as well, right? So, you know, just back to this piece about, you know, are there any other things that I might suggest to people um, um, as well would be, you know, an educative piece, not only in the talk therapy, as well, but I might recommend, you know, books, I might recommend videos, I might recommend, uh, you know, different sort of um, 
um, different types of ways to experiment and learn about what might be going on as well, um, you know, with the hopes of increasing their communication and their ability as well, like in the sensate focus um, therapy to also be able to express, you know, what they like, what they don't like, and, and say that very freely and not feel like, you know, that they can't, you know, have that um, expression of self, right? Um, I do want to reiterate, you know, because I get a lot of questions about sex therapy and people kind of, you know, comically make comments and stuff. So there's absolutely no physical touching in a psychotherapeutic kind of session as well, right? And so sometimes people come in not really knowing what to expect, right? Um, yep. So definitely, um, you know, a point that, uh, that I just want to reiterate. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I just want to say that, you know, statistically and stuff, we see people, um, you know, just so that gives people kind of a, a number and stuff that it, uh, statistically, you know, what I was able to read recently is that 43% of women um, re report some sort of sexual issues versus 31% of men. So it's out there. It's not, you know, it's not shameful. It's none of those things. It's there. And, um, you know, we have all kinds of means to, to deal with it. And, and uh, you know, I hope that that message gets out to people more and more that, uh, you know, you know, come in and let's chat about it. There are options, right? It's not, it's not something that you can just, you know, hold on to and, or you have to hold on to on your own and not talk about. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and just going on, on that piece, I mean, from the literature that, um, you know, I read, um, you know, I think it's just a little over 33% of women in the first three months after giving birth experience painful sex. Uh, I think it drops down to like the 20s by six months. And then there's about 12% of women that continue to experience sexual pain uh, 12 months postpartum. Um, mm. And, you know, we're, we're, that there are real challenges there, right? There's relationship challenges. There's having a new baby challenges. Um, and not really knowing what to do about it, right? And th again, this is, I think, an important piece, both from the physical, but from the sex therapy piece, because, I mean, it puts a lot of stress and strain on the relationship. Mm -hmm. And just having a baby on its own, right, changes the dynamics of the household. Mm -hmm. um, and hormonally, libido changes, desire. I mean, mom's kind of focused on baby. Um, so I think... Um, you know, knowing those statistics is more just to highlight again that you're not alone um, right. in the sense of you're not the only person sort of experiencing these challenges and that, you know, there is help r related to that. Um, and then, of course, the next phase that like women experience is menopause. And then there's uh, so many changes associated with menopause where we see about 40% of women between. 40 and 44 are beginning to experience uh, changes in their sexual kind of um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't even um, sexual activity. And then it jumps up to almost 60% of women in the 60 to 64 year range experience some form of sexual um, difficulty. Right. And, you know, we don't want, you know, obviously we don't want to see, women suffering if if it's something that they want to be engaging with you know please please you know seek out help you're not alone um these are very transitional times that in and of themselves are very um taxing on their own but then adding that that sexual dysfunction piece i just don't think we're asking enough questions about that mm -hmm. as part of you know a regular medical screening so it might be falling through the cracks I agree. And I also want to say, you know, in that, um, in that sort of um, age group that you're talking about, so like the perimenopausal, menopausal um, age group, 
Um, I, I think that, um, you know, we're, I don't want to say we're fed, um, but we are certainly given a lot of information about what is expected in that time frame. And so I almost want to think that we're kind of complacent. We accept it, not realizing that really there's options and opportunities to continue to have really good physical and emotional intimacy, right? Um, and there's help out there, you know? So, I, and I think that's really important as well, you know, for people to know. Absolutely. And thank you very much for bringing forth um, that that um, comment there because I was interviewing a, like a menopause educator and we were talking about, you know, uh, sexual function in menopause. And we were talking about, you know, there's so many different things, medical, physical, um, emotional, that can be done to optimize that phase and have women feeling really good about themselves, but their partners too, mm -hmm. feeling really good about the relationship um, and themselves. So um, I think that um, there's so much that can be done we just have to get the word out there. We do. Yeah. I'm curious too, just in terms of, um, you know, how many people like from a thera therapeutic perspective, you know, from a talk therapy piece, um, definitely, um, you know, I can explore that with people. But I'm really curious on, on your end in terms of how many people actually have an awareness that a physiotherapist of all people can help with some of this stuff. Uh, not, not, <laughs> not very much awareness. Um, I mean, what I should say is that I think, feel like it's becoming more awareness in the sense that um, I am seeing more frequently people seeking me out through, you know, Google searches and things of that nature. I mean, obviously, I, I, I put a lot of uh, educational content out there um, for the purpose of letting people know that a pelvic floor physiotherapist can help. Um, you know, I do a lot of talks with physicians and mommy groups and, and so, you know, I'm always out there sharing that, but I still, um, I still get a lot of when they come in to see me for the assessment, you know, my doctor referred me, I didn't even know a physio could do this. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because most people think elbows, knees, toes, shoulders, neck, back. Right. And of course, that's definitely what we do. Um, but, you know, in the subset of pelvic floor physiotherapy, like that is our, you know, we're focused in on the muscles that are part of sexual function. Um, so there's a lot that can be done from the physical side. And you were talking about dilator use, right? A lot of people mm -hmm may not know how to use the dilators effectively, right? They just kind of think, oh, I'm just going to put it in and everything will be fine and then I'll just move up to the next one. But oftentimes there is a tissue component. You know, there might be tissue tightness. There could be vaginal atrophy. Like there could be so many different reasons uh, that the tissue gives you pain. Mm -hmm. And how do you begin to work through that? What are the different strategies and coping mechanisms to be successful with dilator use? So that's something that I do um, use quite often. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we are there to help guide you on how to work the physical part. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. Well, I, I'm happy to continue to refer people because I also obviously, you know, as I said, you know, if it's not medical and if it is something that's more, um, more of a physical sort of nature, you know, to, to continue to do that. But I do get that level um, when I have referred people out. Um, it's like, really? Physiotherapist? <laughs> yep. Yep. We, we, we st we're, we're still, we're still getting it. But, you know, I, I know that our, 
uh, profession is working really hard on the ground to spread the word um, in our own and unique ways. This, you know, podcasting, videos, blogs, I mean, that just happens to be the way that I try to try to do it. Um, okay, so I think most important question is if people need help from somebody like yourself and, uh, you know, are sort of resonating uh, with what you're saying and talking about and seeing, oh, you know what, maybe I could use, uh, use a little bit of help. Where can they find you? Okay. So I actually have a physical office here in Port, in Port Credit in Mississauga. Um, but the best way to reach me is through my website. Um, and that is www.rodolfo. So that's R-I-D like Donald, O-L, F like Frank, O, counseling, all one word, dot com. Excellent. And for anybody who might be driving or not accessible to a pen, don't worry. If you go to the show notes of the episode, uh, a link will be added there to make it much easier um, to link to the website. Well, Catherine, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and teach us more about this field and how um, you can help individuals. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. And obviously to our wonderful listeners, we thank you as well. This is for you um, in hopes to help you learn and see that there are lots of options out there uh, for health and wellness. And, uh, you know, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, uh, make sure to subscribe. That way, any new episodes that come up will uh, come up directly on your phone. You don't have to search it out. Uh, and we thank you again. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.